Welcome to My Creative Classroom, an EdTech podcast that focuses on highlighting educational tools that can help teachers transform learning in or out of their classrooms. I interview industry experts to discuss the details of their products in order to help you make an informed decision on whether or not this product is right for you. As an educator with over a decade of experience both in and out of the classroom, I know that time and money are both precious. So I hope my conversations will help you in your creative journey through education. My name is Brian Willette and welcome to My Creative Classroom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to My Creative Classroom. Today's episode features two amazing guests that are going to share information, details, and the story of Canada Learning Code. Please welcome Shelby and Steve. Thank you both for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having us, Brian. Our pleasure, our pleasure, very exciting. So folks, let's start off by a quick introduction. Tell our listeners who you are and maybe a little bit about your role with Canada Learning Code. Uh, I can start. Uh, I'm a education lead with Canada Learning Code. And in particular, I am the education lead for the Moncton Code Mobile which means, uh, in general, it means I drive around in a van in a team of two and go to schools and libraries and community centers all across New Brunswick and PEI, introducing and teaching computer coding to teachers and students of all ages and adults in general, although that's what we kind of used to do in the normal world. Things have changed a lot since March, so that's, I'm giving you the normal version. We can talk a bit more about that later, but our, our context of our work has changed a lot since March. Uh, we do things a bit differently now. And But myself, I came to this actually from kind of a, a different background. We all come from different areas in our, our, our organization. We have people from the education world, people from the uh, communications world. I actually came from the television world. So it's a tech type environment, but also a creative type environment, which I think fits in really well with coding. So it's, and I, I just find coding fascinating. The fact that it just, there's so many possibilities. You can go in so many different directions with it. I just find it really, uh, really quite, 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 quite interesting and fascinating. And I'll hand it to Shelby. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You know what? I actually didn't know that you came from television, so I'm learning something new here on this podcast as well. So thanks for sharing that. Um, but hello, my name is Shelby. Uh, I'm a communications lead for Canada Learning Code. Uh, more specifically, I cater to the eastern side of Canada Learning Code. Um, but just like Steve, I used to work on the Codemobile as well. We uh, worked in pairs on the Codemobile, so there was one communications lead and one education lead. So as Steve mentioned, uh, he was responsible for you know teaching our content um, ensuring that the students were having a fantastic time in the workshops. It was engaging and everyone was able to follow along. Um, my part as the communications lead in that duo was doing communi uh, community outreach, um, partnerships, and uh, ensuring we're scheduling our um, underrepresented communities into our schedules. But uh, a little bit about me, I actually come from an early childhood education background. I got my diploma from Seneca College and um, I really learned the importance of introducing uh, skills early on um, in education. So that's really why I enjoy working with Canada Learning Code because introducing these fantastic and ever-changing skills is really important um, in early education. So that's why I'm where I'm at right now. That's amazing. And, and both of you have kind of this different background coming into this. And so we mentioned Cobble a little bit, but before we dive into that, can we tell our listeners what is Canada Learning Code? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Canada Learning Code, we are a national organization. And what we try to do is we try and share uh, resources and provide meaningful learning experiences to historically underrepresented communities in Canada. Uh, most specifically, uh, women. Canada Learning Code actually started as Ladies Learning Code. There was a group of women who got together and decided, you know what, we need to uh, bring more women into the tech industry and create more safe spaces for them to learn where they feel confident in learning these new skills. Um, but you know what? It was seen that uh, the digital landscape is so uneven across the country. So Canada Learning Code, we uh, ended up introducing kids learning code, teens learning code, teachers learning code, um, and what we started with ladies learning code to be able to bring these opportunities to everybody in Canada. And that sounds like a fascinating initiative, which is, you know, bringing that to everyone across Canada and amazing that the start was ladies learning code. Um, so just the concept of, of code. So we've used that word kind of a few times and there may be some listeners who are wondering, like, what are we talking about? What kind of code is this? Um, what is code? So what are we what are we learning and, and what are we learning with when Canada learning code comes around? I'll take that one, actually, Brian. I actually, in our workshops, we almost always ask that question, actually. And I always say, there's no wrong answer. What do you think code is? And we get some really fascinating answers. Just yesterday, we got one that says, code is how you translate human into computer. And that kind of sums it up really well. Like it's, it's, it's basically, it's a set of instructions given to a computer to make it uh, achieve a certain task. And it's like code is almost the middleman between computers and humans because humans speak English or French, whatever language they speak. And computers work in ones and zeros, which are just like electrical pulses, like on and off switches kind of thing. So yeah, the, the code is kind of the middleman almost in between that. And so that's the basic way to put it. And, and of course you can get, it does, there's a lot to talk about with code, but that's a, that's a simple explanation. And so when you when you come in and, I, and you, you said before, Steve, that your code mobile, you would come into schools or, or, or different events and, and bring this so that students and adults can learn code. What types of tools do you use to help um, create that learning environment? Uh, well, we teach with, with younger kids. We use Scratch a lot. You're probably familiar with Scratch. It's a block based coding program. It's, a, it's an amazing it's an amazing tool. It has a community built around it. It's totally free. It is available online and offline. So that's what we use mostly for younger kids, I'd say up to like middle school, but you can use it even in the high school. You can make really advanced projects. Like we sometimes demonstrate a, a full-fledged Mario game or Pac-Man game, like the old school Pac-Man game. The only the only game that, that adults are better than, than kids at. I always joke, that's my, one of my standard jokes about Pac-Man. But uh, Pac-Man Pac apparently is coming back. People, uh, the kids know about Pac-Man again. There's some Pac-Man movie or something. But uh, yeah, so sometimes we show that you can make a full-fledged Pac-Man game on Scratch, but then we say, of course, you you would this would take you a month to make, but we do the two hour version. We make a, we make an actual game. We make in a say a seventy minute session in a in a school. We make an actual game from start to finish, so the kids can make their game in pairs. They take turns, and they actually have a game that they can make, and then they build it. So it's again it goes along with one of our our uh, other core uh, philosophies of being uh, consumers, or no, rather not being just consumers of technology, but being builders of technology. We really want to encourage that. And so Scratch is one, and I could talk about some other ones too, but it's uh, we try to keep the uh, the tools like as varied and as, uh, we don't want to be a, to say, just use this tool, but we use the ones, whatever works best for the job. And, and a lot of times lately I find browser-based tools are the best ones because you don't need to download anything ahead of time and you can share things back and forth a lot easier. 
And yeah, it's a, I think that's a really great way to go. You don't want to, if you have two weeks, you don't mind spending 20 minutes getting signed in. But if you're working on a project together for 90 minutes or 120 minutes, you don't want to spend the first 20 minutes uh, downloading software and that kind of thing. And sometimes the teachers, that's another thing we do is show these tools to the teachers. We can talk about that some more later, different tools. And the teachers are like, oh, this is a lot easier than the way I was, I was expecting to have to do it and that kind of thing. And what you just said there is, is a great point, which is showing the tools to the teachers. So is that something, so is Canada Learning Code, is there a website or is there a professional learning opportunities to be able to share those things and, and help teachers better understand platforms such as Scratch? Or is that something that, that you guys do yourselves and you'll say, well, we'll come in and help you build that into your classroom? Uh, maybe I'll start and I'll let uh, Shelby add on to this as well. But uh, yeah, well, we oftentimes what we suggest sometimes we'll come in and we'll teach the lesson in the classroom for the kids. But of course, the teachers in the room as well. And they're often active participants. They're walking around helping troubleshoot and helping, you know, go desk to desk again back in the old days of the uh, face-to-face learning but again even nowadays it's even teachers are even more hands-on now when we're in a classroom sometimes we're on the big uh, the big board at the front of the room just talking head and the kids are sitting at their computers and we can kind of see them on the video on zoom or something and it's kind of neat but yeah so we oftentimes will come in first and kind of demonstrate it and in, in a in a perfect world the teachers will then teach it again maybe a week later themselves or we can come back a second time and they can kind of we can kind of co-teach with them if they like and but but the scratch website has all kinds of uh tutorials and everything on this. So we, we direct them to that. But I'll, I'll let Shelby talk to that too. Because again, even though Shelby's a communications lead, we always in person would travel in pairs. So the communications lead is a huge part of the teaching uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Um, really, we love bringing um, our workshops to the classroom. Uh, as Steve mentioned, it's obviously changed from us being in the Codemobile going in person um, and sharing everything we had on the Codemobile. But uh, due to the pandemic, we had to pivot virtually really, really fast. And we managed to do that. And it's been incredible going into classrooms lately. As Steve mentioned, we are sometimes a big head on the screen, uh, speaking to the entire classroom and having the teacher's support in the classroom. But we've also been able to cater to the remote community now as well. The students are able to call in to our workshops from their own homes, and we're able to deliver our workshops that way as well. Um, the important thing I think that Steve mentioned uh, with our workshops is that yes, the teachers are hands-on in the classroom. However, our support for them extends further outside of our workshops just for the students. We actually offer workshops for the educators themselves, where we would go through a workshop as we would in a classroom to show them how we would teach it, give explanations on some of the blocks in Scratch, for example, and the possibilities with those. And then we actually do a little walkthrough on our website of our free resources that we have and our free lesson plans that we have as well that are on our website. Um, I'm not sure if you would like me to speak more to that or um, carry on after, but I'm happy to right now. Yeah, actually, I was just going to dive into that question. You've mentioned the word free, and then we talked about workshops, and I was going to kind of segue into, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is what is the cost to these services um, if teachers want to have Codemobile or Canada Learning Code in their, in their classroom? Uh, in that support or lesson. So go. I think that's the question we're trying to get to is what is the cost and where can they find it? Oh, yes. All right. Well, there is zero cost attached to our workshops um, or any of our resources for that matter. So very thankful to all our fantastic funders who are able to make it possible for us to be able to provide these opportunities for free. Um, you don't come across that often. But again, we're trying really hard um, to make an even digital landscape across Canada right now, especially to those underrepresented communities who don't have access to all this stuff all the time, right? Um, but speaking to those lessons, 
implants, if you do go to our website, um, you can go to www.canadalearningcode.ca. Um, and if you go to teach, just in our Dropbox and go down to lesson plans. There are so many lesson plans on there. Um, teachers, we know that you have so much on your plate. We want to relieve some of that workload for you, especially with some of these changing curriculums. So if you visit those lesson plans, you can filter it by grade. You can filter it by subject, which is great because um, our lessons are cross-curricular, um, which is fun as well. Um, but really important, what we've added in there is what's called a lesson crosswalk. Um, and that's where we have a document attached to the bottom of our lesson plans. And it's where each lesson plan is put in alphabetical order and it's broken down by province and how each lesson plan um, can cater to the curriculum. So that's really exciting news to share with our educators. And again, everything is completely free. And that's an amazing, that's amazing right there, right? Because oftentimes the cost is the barrier or the red tape is where do I find the funding for this? So free is the best price point. Um, and we'll and we'll put the the website in the description of this episode so that teachers can can reach out or access it there. Uh, and so you mentioned earlier, which is Codemobile is the is the topic where, you know, you would travel to schools or to districts to go into classrooms. And you mentioned pivoting due to COVID-19, the pandemic that is that is right now, you know, what we're living. So how, what can teachers expect or how can they access those resources today? Like in the new year, when we return back to school after the break, how would teachers access Codemobile if it's not able to travel to them in person? That's that's actually a really great question. Um, so also on our website that has all of our free resources, we actually have a request form as well. Um, so the request form is really for us to gather a little bit more information about either whether it's your classroom or what group you're catering to, just maybe their age. Um, and what maybe what uh, content you're interested in with us teaching. So again, it's really just for us to gather a little bit more information about the group that we would be um, working with. And then it would either be myself or the other communications lead that we have for the West Coast, Kirby, who would reach out to the educators and really just get the ball rolling on how can we get these workshops to you? What's the best fit for, for your situation? Um, do you want a, a workshop for your educators and then us come back and work with, work with your students or vice versa? Um, so there's so many opportunities there. So um, please visit our website and, and fill out one of our request forms. We really want to hear from you educators and work with you. That seems like a pretty straightforward process. You know, go to the website and, and fill out the request form and then you, you can have the support, the service in your classroom to help you build that understanding of code, that language, you know, as, as Steve had put it earlier, that, you know, translating from human to computer language uh, and, and be able to, to add that to your lesson plan or connect curriculums. And I love the idea there where you talked about your lessons at the bottom, being able to have this, this crosswalk and bridging it, whether by province, uh, because this is across Canada. So how many code mobiles would have been, I guess, in, the, in, in a normal year on the road for Canada Learning Code? Uh, I'll take that one. It was it was 13 or 14, depending on the exact time you're referring to. But yeah, there was 13, basically. And I'd say, like, say, for example, some cities included, uh, still included or included at the time. Uh, I'll go through them all. See if I can remember them all. St. John's, Halifax, uh, Moncton. There was Quebec City. There was there was Montreal. Um, Peterborough, where Shelby is from. Toronto. There was Sudbury. Not anymore. <laughs> Kitchener. Winnipeg, 
Saskatoon, Calgary, Kelowna, Vancouver. Did I miss anything, Shelby? Something like that. <laughs> Honestly, really, the code mobiles were really just strategically placed so that we could reach as many remote communities as possible because the initial code mobile trip, um, it was a big green blue code mobile that it was just the one and it crossed the it went cross country um, from coast to coast. And it was through those learning experiences that um, Canada Learning Code realized like we need more of these vans. There's so many more communities we need to reach and and these vans are going to take us there. And because to that point, what you're saying is so, Steve, you're based here out of Moncton, New Brunswick, where, where I am. And so you don't just service New Brunswick. You know, if someone puts in kind of this request for support, what's your what's your geographical kind of circle area that you would support? Yeah, now it's like I said, now I said that's what I was kind of hinting at early on. Now things have changed. We're all we, we, we've pivoted. We can talk more about that later. But our whole organization, I don't use the word pivot very often, but this is a case where I think it's warranted. We did, we did pivot from almost fully in person to fully online over a matter of weeks back in March and April. So now I actually work with two folks from Toronto all day long these days, my current team. So when I go on a Zoom call, I don't know who's gonna be there. So the cool thing about the Codemobile when we were on the roads, we could go almost anywhere. You know, we have really strong winter tires. We can go into the into the woods. We I've taken two ferries and traveled to islands and all over the all over the place. So we can go virtually almost anywhere, but now we can go even more so because we're virtual. As long as you have an internet of connection of some kind, you can uh, be on our call. And we sometimes have, we always try to count see how many we can get a, Get, see what our latest record is in the in the call, but you, I think like seven provinces on this represented on the same Zoom call is maybe the record so far. It's it's six for sure, but there may be a couple times we have seven. So yeah, I can I can have people in thirteen different cities in a lesson as opposed to before we could only have we could have thirteen codemobiles, but you can only be in thirteen places at once. Now you can be in thirteen places on the same Zoom call. So sometimes the calls are smaller maybe than they might have been in person, but you. But then you can, but you can also have these huge webinars with like hundreds of people on the same call at times. So it's a, it's it's a, it's fascinating. And you're like you used to go, it used to be a privilege to go into someone's school. Now we get to go into their homes, and it's it's funny. It's 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 really neat to, to get to know people in their in their home environment. And teachers sometimes are on the call, or else we're in a classroom with, again in the actual class. And sometimes even in a class, and half the kids are in the room. And half the kids are at home on Zoom, <laughs> so it's 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 really wild the things you can do. Yeah, and I, and and you mentioned that word a couple of times, which is pivot. So let's dive into that pivot because I, you know, I've I've known about Codemobile and I've seen you guys in action. And you often come with gear, right? Because you come with it could be laptops, it could be tablets, it could be micro bits, it could be dash robots to help build that understanding of what coding is in in real time. So what is the pivot, and how do you accommodate that? through an online learning environment. We used to always bring all the all the required gear with us, which is one of the, the good parts about uh, the accessibility aspect and helping with underserved communities. So it didn't matter what your school had or what your what your daycare had in terms of tech. All we said, we, we would just need, usually need a, a room with some tables and chairs and one outlet basically is usually all we needed before. So now it's a little different, but we, just need people to come onto our, our, our virtual uh, sessions with some kind of a device and a, an okay an okay internet connection. But of course, if their internet's not so great, they can turn off their cameras and things like that to make it a little bit better. And uh, so we do ask, usually ask to have some kind of a device with a screen and a keyboard. So you can use a tablet with an external keyboard. But if you come with just a regular tablet without a keyboard, you know we, we make it, we make it work. But ideally, a keyboard does help. But, we, but you can make adjustments to make things work. Uh, 
differently than that. But but we also even uh, lend out some of our former laptops that used to be in the back of the vans traveling around with us. They are actually now out in some schools that uh, could use them. So maybe maybe, uh, Shelby can talk about that. Our laptop lending program that started a little bit. Yeah, um, since the beginning of the school year, actually, uh, we started piloting what's called the laptop lending program. Um, So there's a school out west, uh, actually, that has two or three of our bins of laptops that we generally would take into those classrooms. And we mailed them out to them because they're a school that unfortunately doesn't have access to those resources that we generally would bring. And we've been visiting them virtually while they've had our equipment. So we've been able to also teach them as well. And they have the opportunity then after we leave, um, when we're not delivering them workshops, to be able to work with their teachers with those with those laptops to continue learning. And if I could add on to that, a quick story. The other about ten days ago, or maybe less, I was on a call, a Zoom lesson in a classroom with those actual very kids. So my partner Kim that day, she's like, "Oh, look, they're using our laptops," and they get you could see the big Coldsmobile logo on the laptops. And we got a little email from the teacher after saying how much the kids enjoyed them, and you know, it's a good day when they don't want to close their laptops at the end of the day. And it was so neat. They didn't just want to close their lap; they wanted to keep their laptops open, but they also wanted to keep open these laptops that we had temporarily lent them. And so it was kind of really neat magic moment we had lots of magic moments that we call them at, at the candle learning go that was a that was a good one and what a great way to support schools right because that technology even for schools as they pivot you know realizing that there may not be enough technology to support the learning what a great initiative for candle learning code to have that laptop lending program uh, to be able to support schools who, who may not have the technology needed to be able to do some learning so I think we've reached so many different points here on on Codemobile, Canada Learning Code. And one thing that I, I, I wanted to know is we we talked about, you know, being able to go to the website for free lesson plans and, and free tutorials, things like that, and having individuals such as Steve do Zoom calls, especially in the current reality that we're living in, to help students in the classroom. But are there oftentimes pre-scheduled professional learning for teachers that they could join on, whether it be webinars or, or things like that, that Canada Learning Code offers for them for themselves to be able to say, I want to know more about what coding is and how it fits maybe in science class. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, we actually just wrapped up um, a big week called Canada Learning Code Week. And this is a huge week for the uh, educator community because we put together lots of workshops to support them. And this year it was on internet safety and digital citizenship um, because again, there's the pivot word again, we've all had to shift a little bit um, and have more of an online presence. And we obviously need that that safety uh, curve of it as well, especially because we've got a lot of students and kids on these calls. um, And you never know what could happen. So Anyways, Canada Learning Code Week just wrapped up. It was fantastic. We had lots of educators register for our workshops. We ended up having a Q&A with Bill Nye, which was really exciting. And a few educators actually won the opportunity to have a more intimate um, session with Bill Nye, which was really fun. But um, if you're waiting for an opportunity for us to come in your classroom, we do have public workshops. Um, So our delivery teams actually deliver public workshops. We'll have registration on Eventbrite. But if you go to our website, that is where you can find our upcoming learning experiences. We have them for kids, teens, adults, and importantly, educators. So we have public educator workshops. If you're waiting for a workshop from us, please go to our website and see what we have coming up. There's there's lots of uh, lots of workshops that we have. Yes, actually, we ran one of those recently with uh, Python, which is a little bit more advanced than Scratch in the coding world. 
And uh, one of the teachers after or a few of them actually had some very similar responses saying like, oh, this makes it seem much more accessible, less overwhelming, less daunting. Because, you know, if someone says, learn Python and go teach your class, that's a, that's a big ask. But to see someone else teach a basic Python lesson in two hours and then share that lesson plan with you, that's one of the ones on our website that we did last week at Canada Learning Code Week, the same plan, we, the same one we talked about uh, 10 days ago. And yeah, the teachers were like, yeah, this is, I'm much less intimidated by this now than I was before. And that's, that's what we're all about, like just making it more accessible and taking away the fear of the unknown. Like we, we try to teach skills but we also try to just build confidence and just let, get people excited about coding and light the spark and uh, just, yeah, just take away the, it's the fear of the unknown, the apprehension and the, removing the mystery. Just, just learn, seeing something happen in front of you for two hours, just this can get you started on the right foot. Uh, totally. And you've mentioned two programs in the course of our conversation there, Steve, Python and Scratch. So what are some of the most common platforms or things that teachers would, would, be looking for in their classroom. So just to, if our listeners are out there and they're thinking, okay, so what is it? They keep saying the word coding. We talked about that language of code. What are some of the most common things that you would zoom into a classroom and help teach um, those students? Uh, I would say generally it's Scratch is the big one for younger kids. But when you get into uh, middle school and high school, for example, example, it's often HTML and CSS, which is website building. And sometimes then we can even have not just a two-hour session, but a, a two-day session called a hackathon. And that's a big part of what we do, too. We don't just dive right into the coding part. We do, like, problem framing and design thinking. So say, like, let's, let's just not just build a website. Let's think about how we can make a website to solve a problem in the world. And the kids get to pick their own problems. And then we analyze it with problem framing. So we're not just going to, like, try to solve the problem randomly. We're going to just figure out what the problem is first then figure out solutions for it. And then the design thinking part is how you you want to design it in such a way where it doesn't just work for someone like you, it wants to work for other people. So you can ask questions and do interviews. Like, And I always say too, like this, we're teaching you how to solve a problem in a technical sense to make a website solution, but this could be applicable to anything in life. If you want to start a business or if you have some problem at work or at school, you want to analyze your life and just make a change, sit down, problem frame it, Go through the four, the four C's. I won't get into too, too into the weeds here, but there's a thing called the four C's of problem framing, and you can talk about all that and then analyze the problem. So we try to make and people we get that that feedback a lot too. They like the fact that our lessons aren't just you don't just start writing code when you walk in the door. We we try to put things into context and make it useful. And, and as uh, Shelby said, uh, the digital citizenship part of it is we want it to be like applicable to the real world and and uh, like internet safety and allowing people to be part of their society around them. Like an example we always hear is uh, facial recognition right now. Facial recognition works better for certain skin tones than others. So if you want to make sure that, that those kind of things don't happen in the future, get involved in making these technologies. Don't just be on the other end kind of thing. So it's that's a pretty, uh, pretty cool thing to be a part of. And what a way to lay it out, which is what you just said there. It's not just coding, it's problem solving, it's skills for life. Um, so I think that is just hits it right on the nail right on the head, which is, you know, Brian, it's not just we're going to learn C++ here. We're, we're going to learn some actual skills here that will help benefit us in the future, whether it's in the classroom or outside. So that is the best transition I could have ever asked for into what I like to call our specialist top five. And so in this moment, Shelby and Steve, I'll let you guys, you can both have five or if you want to share the five, my question to you are what are the top five ways that Canada Learning Code 
can help teachers transform learning both in or out of the classroom? Yeah, absolutely. I can start us off with number one because it is something that's very I'm I'm very passionate about, and that's things being free. Um, everything that we have is free. And I think that's very important um, for everyone to really understand that we're able to bring this to you um, for free. And looking like at the pandemic we're in right now, it's not the time for us to be spending money. We need these free opportunities for all of our communities, um, for our classrooms, for our educators. Um, everything keeps changing. So I think it's really important that we have these opportunities to provide for free. Um, Number one, first and foremost, hands down. Um, number two, I think is really important that we provide the opportunity um, for teachers to be able to incorporate this into their classroom or their already existing plans. Um, so it's really important as well that our lesson plans, uh, they're cross-curricular. Um, an example of that, which oh my gosh, was one of the best days ever. Uh, I, Being an early childhood educator, I love the little ones. I love the little ones. So we actually had a workshop um, for Canada Learning Code Week last year. We had an educator who uh, wanted to teach a workshop to her class and myself and uh, my education lead that I worked with at the time, we went to the classroom just to support the teacher throughout the workshop that she was teaching. And she requested to use our Dash robots. Um, so our Dash robots, you control them through an iPad. Um, and that's where we we are teaching the younger kids, like you're controlling this computer, um, which is very important. You're telling it what to do, um, which is really what coding um, encapsulates, right? Um, but the teacher was also very musical. So the Dash robot has a xylophone attachment and we brought that with us as well. And she ended up teaching a music lesson with these robots and with this xylophone to these kindergartens. It was incredible. The kids loved it. They learned notes. They learned sounds. They learned how to control a robot and how to program a robot to make specific musical sounds. Um, so I think that's also important too to recognize it's all cross-curricular. You can incorporate this in anything. Um, Steve, is there anything you want to hop in and add to that? I'll add a couple. I'll add a couple. They might overlap a little bit, but I'll add yeah. a couple. Uh, I think introducing some of the tools is a big thing. Like I, I mentioned earlier, the word browser-based, we can introduce tools to teachers to make it easier to do certain things. Like we, could, we talk about Scratch, but there's also things called uh, Glitch for uh, website building in particular. We use that all the time, glitch.com. And Repelit is another website you can use. That one's a little more complicated. R-E-P-L... Dot .it stands for read, evaluate, print, loop, which is a computer, some computer lingo. But that's another great site where you can actually, both of those sites, you can type code and see the results of it right away. Again, no need to download and don't even need to sign in in many cases. So that's really great. And you can share uh, back and forth. Um, so yeah, those are really great things. And also the fact that Scratch can work in many different ways, I guess. It can be used not just for making games or art, but it can also be used for like storytelling. As Shelby just mentioned, um, yeah, Scratch can be used for audio, and some, and that's the thing. Every kid's different. Some kids latch onto the audio part of it, and that's my, I guess my next thing. It's very hands-on. Our our, uh, our our workshops very hands-on, very project-based, and some kids just learn better that way. They can just get in there and do it. And sometimes it's, it, teachers are surprised, like so and so. I was really surprised how well they did. They don't they don't always do that well in normal classroom settings. Yet they really did well in this coding world. So that's really exciting to hear that kind of thing too. So it's it's very hands on and it's very like visual and and they can see the results. They get they, you hear these gasps sometimes in the room when the kids get it working. So that's really cool. 
And uh, my last one, I think I, oh, modeling virtual delivery. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. Uh, nowadays, we don't just talk about coding, but we, we've been kind of forced to become kind of online experts in the world of delivering things through Zoom. So we can help a little bit with the teachers on that side of things. Although these days, since September, I guess most teachers are getting familiar with working online as well. But we got a little head start. We were kind of forced to do it back in uh, March and April. So we can help model that kind of thing too. So I think that's, is that five? That must be at least five. <laughs> so I, I think that's definitely a huge list of, of, of things that Canada Learning Code can offer teachers. And even like you just said, Steve, modeling, you know, how that can look as a, as a, as a teacher in front of, you know, your students online. Um, and so many more, right? Which is, and, and Shelby, you mentioned it earlier, which is you're controlling this robot. Like whatever you do on this iPad, this input is the output. You get to see it in real world, right? Which is sometimes that that kinesthetic piece, with it, which is I can see it happening. I can feel it happening right in front of me is huge because then coding isn't just some computer language. It becomes real world application. You can see it happening in front of you. So I think that's huge. And everything you've said there, are, are transformational ways that that you know Canada Learning Code can support teachers in what they do with their with their students. So I, I think that we've gone over a lot today, and, and we've we've gone into Canada Learning Code, where it came from, how it's evolved, Codemobile, how it's evolved and pivoted in its in the current reality, the pandemic that we are living. Um, but is there anything that we may have missed? Is there anything that you want to share with our listeners that we may not have maybe talked about in our conversation? I think, I mean, we did talk about it in the conversation, but I really just want to um, get this across that we're really here to support our educators, um, whether it be, again, us coming into your classroom virtually and teaching your class, or whether it be um, all of the educators in your school or your school board hop on a hop on a Zoom call and we work together to work through these problems and instill that confidence into teachers. Again, my background's early childhood education. My background is not coding and digital skills. However, I've been able to acquire those skills by learning through Canada Learning Code and through the opportunities that they're able to provide. Um, looking back at at my elementary school days code and computer science wasn't a thought. Uh, yes, I would go home, I'd play Mario Kart or Mario Party. And I, my goal was to get stars. My goal wasn't to understand the, the technology and what was behind the games. So again, that's another very important piece is becoming builders and not just consumers of this technology because technology is evolving and it's just gonna keep on evolving and we need to keep up with it. So we're here to support you through that and to get you there. Yeah, and I can just echo kind of the same thing. It's all about building confidence, whether it's through the teachers or the students. And again, we're not, we're not experts in every area of this at all. We are pretty, we're getting to be experts in the materials we teach and how we teach them, but we're not, we're not super coder experts in every, every aspect. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say, I hate to say that, that phrase, if we can do it, you can do it, but I think you'll be surprised if you guys give this a, if you dip your toes into the coding world, you'll be surprised what happens. And it's just a, it's a, it's a fascinating world to be a, be a part of. And I think the amazing part there is what you just said is don't be afraid of it. Dip your toes. But Canada Learning Code is there to walk with you on this journey of learning code. And I think that's huge right there. It's We're not in this alone. Oftentimes, an educator will look at this and say, I really want to do coding, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. I don't even understand what it is. And that's where Canada Learning Code comes into play, which is that partnership for teachers, for schools, for classrooms, to be able to build their understanding, not only of where coding takes place in, in learning, 
but how it can be implemented into a variety of curriculums. So to all of our listeners out there, I encourage you to check out CanadaLearningCode.ca, reach out, put in the request to have somebody, I guess not come in at this time, but zoom in uh, to work together, to work through whether it be Scratch, Python, whatever platform, but work through what code looks like and how it can help you transform learning for your students, whether they're in front of you or whether they're learning at home. So Shelby and Steve, I thank you so much for being part of today's uh, My Creative Classroom podcast. And I hope our listeners check out the website. They reach out for support and, and see how coding can help revolutionize education in their classroom. So once again, thank you for taking part in today's My Creative Classroom podcast. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed my conversation with Steve and Shelby from Canada Learning Code. What an amazing conversation to hear how this organization evolved from Ladies Learning Code to what is now a national program supporting coding in education. I encourage you all to check out their website at canadalearningcode.ca and don't forget to follow us on social media at MyCreativePod and don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever streaming platform you are listening to us on right now to be notified of when a new episode comes out. As always, let's make learning creative. My name is Brian Willett, and this was My Creative Classroom.